the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we can certainly talk about. We can talk about some of the headline news for sure. We could talk about some of the big picture stories that maybe aren't headline news. Let me give you an example on that one. Um, well, I guess this is pretty headline. Uh, United Airlines pilots at Union have reached a tentative agreement for early retirement and voluntary furloughs. We know the airline industry is going to have some problems come the fall. We know that we gave them basically big loans and big credits and big uh, back hats through September. Not sure why. Oh, yeah, there was an election coming up. And either party dumping a lot of money into the airlines only to see them fire people a day later wouldn't have chimed in well, telling them to take three to four months to fire people when they see they're no longer just back on their feet. You get the idea. But there's some fun ones, too, like an old company. In the world of technology, this is a granddaddy, Intel. They're taking a dip lower today after AMD is moving higher on news that Intel has delayed a key near-term server project called Semi-Accurate. Um, now, Semi-Accurate is a, a group that studies this stuff, and it's not definitive, but you don't have a good name in media journalism, financial journalism, if you're continually making mistakes. So that's an interesting one. I think Intel slept. Um, if you think about it, Intel semiconductors are no longer going to be in Apple products in a couple of years, nor are AMDs. Apple's doing their own. And again, you're like, whoa, things are changing a little bit in the world of technology. Now, one of the things we do on the show is we kind of cover trade shows. We talk about them so that you can learn something or maybe you can see something coming up. Um, so short term, probably a week to two weeks. Midterm, probably three to six months. And then you start thinking longer term, whatever that definition is to you. You don't have to worry about a cancer conference coming up in a year. But next week, if there's a cancer conference... You're like, let's find out what's happening. Um, so you mix in a little trade shows. You look at some economic activity. And next week, we're going to be focusing on like the China, China trade balance. Now, will that actually be a story on Monday or will it be something with Trump and tweeting? Will it be Trump and politics? Will it be Trump saying, you know, China's a bad actor? And then we have to deal with the fallout of that on Monday. Or will it be the China trade balance? Or will it be... An oncology review um, study where maybe we get a little bit more of that cure for cancer thing. Okay. You're seeing where we're going with – every week's going to be something a little bit differently. For instance, on Thursday, 
one of the big conferences that probably was a lot of fun to go to, but no longer is fun to go to, is the Cowan Cannabis Policy Committee. Now I know you're saying Cannabis Policy Committee. Oh, boy. That sounds like fun, but not in person, right? Anyhow, can we do a CFP Chad segment? Uh, I'm having a little audio difficulty. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton. Now, certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. Let's talk a little bit about long-term care insurance. What is it? Who needs it? What do we need to know? Well, long-term care insurance, if you have a long-term situation where you lose some of the activities of daily living, and there's six of them that an insurance company will look at, things like eating, bathing, dressing, toileting, continence, um, cognitive issues, uh, you know, like Alzheimer's or dementia, which is an immediate claim. If, if that happens to you, you, you get very limited coverage through Medicare. Um, you know, there's... A certain amount you pay for on your own, you might get maybe 100 days of coverage. And then after that, you're on your own. So if you go into a nursing home, uh-huh. and that could be anywhere from assisted living to a full-fledged nursing home, you're paying for it on your own. And it's very expensive. Um, now, keep in mind there are spousal impoverishment laws to help couples that are not very, that don't have a lot of assets, kind of protect some of their assets. But for most couples, that you've got a plan for this in retirement. And so long-term care insurance passes that risk, which is a huge risk, 60% by the time you're 70, off to an insurance company. Um, so, you know, congratulations if you bought long-term care insurance a year or two ago or, or even longer than that. You got in when rates were cheaper, but they're, it's getting more expensive. And in fact, Rob, a lot of people have gotten rate increase notices in the last uh, year. Uh, uh, GE and other companies like that that have went to the state of California and said, look, we've had higher than expected claims. We're raising rates. And so a lot of people, have, I've been forwarded letters by listeners saying, oh my gosh, they're raising rates. I didn't think they were able to. Well, that's not true. Whoever sold it to you, they should have. you, you should have remembered that, yeah, you can have a rate increase and you'll probably see more of them. Um, so it doesn't mean you don't buy it, you know, shop for it. But if you do buy long-term care insurance, keep in mind, you're probably going to see some rate increases down the road. So one of the things about nursing homes is you start at age where you can't take care of yourself. How do you know how to like read the insurance papers? How do you know like uh, what is in your statement? What's not in your statement? I guess give me a little update on that because, you know, I've got an elderly mother and I know she can't even read anymore. having had two strokes. Well, right. And then so that's why. Okay. First of all, when you have hopefully you have a living trust and a health care directive and a power of attorney because um if you can't perform kind of the financial aspects of your life, you can resign as your own trustee and, and your successor comes into play, which is typically a family member. Okay. And then having a good financial advisor that knows everything you have as, as a go-to person, it's really important for people because if you know the average person off the streets tries to read a long-term care insurance policy or a long-term care insurance statement, they're like, okay, I've got $120 a day benefit, compound uh, a pool of money of uh, X number of dollars, I and mean, how does that all work? How do I even claim? Well, most of these companies that sell long-term care insurance have a concierge service that help with the filing of claims, help find a location for your parent to go into. Um, so there is some help out there. It does take some homework. And that's why baby boomers need to make sure their parents have trusts and power of attorneys in place because if they don't, you're going to be taking time off work. 
to help them with this problem. Right. And if they don't have the proper documents in place, it's going to take you so much time, and it's a lot of effort, and it's very stressful. So what else do we need to know about long-term care insurance? I've often said, maybe incorrectly, that it's a woman's issue more so than a man, because men tend to marry women younger than they are. Women tend to live longer than men. And my mom took care of my dad when he was dying in L. Who's going to take care of her? Right. Well, I mean, the biggest issue is I, th- I think sometimes that is said backwards, because if women are going to live longer than men, but men end up going into a nursing home, um, the guy should be covered because if he goes into a nursing home and then exhausts for three years and exhausts $300,000 of assets, and the, the, the wife's going to live another, you know, 20 years after that, that's less assets for her to live for the rest of their lives. So there's a lot of policies that might only cover you for two to four years, but if one person goes in and goes in longer than that period of time, the other person can shift their coverage over to them. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I'm not sure who this is singing, but it sounds kind of like it might have been a one-hit wonder or a one-album splash. Band of Horses, a little bit more than one-hit wonder, a little bit more than one-album splash. But where I was trying to go with that until the facts got in the way of a good story is COVID is disrupting the music industry, right? The music industry had that whole digital disruption thing where before you got signed by a label, you made it big time. Unless you go on to learn that they've signed 10 bands to only have one succeed. And some of those other bands are intentionally you know, kind of shelved so they don't mess with the star band. You're like, man, record executives suck. Yeah, that's that used to be the game. And then Napster came along. And it wasn't about selling CDs anymore. It was about concerts. And this power kind of shifted in a little bit of way to the artists if they're willing to tour. And then they have to start dealing with the ticket masters of the world and set up deals there. And again, if they're willing to tour. So the music industry is going through that change. Now, why am I bringing up the music industry? Because you have a career. And I think it's the biggest thing that I can teach you um, on some levels is that you work from age 20 to 60 and then you live off it from 60 to 100. United Airlines is saying, hey, we have some pilots and because you all unionized, we, we gave you retirement. We gave you a pension. But if they didn't unionize, airlines would never do that. Airlines aren't nice inherently. They just need the talent. They need pilots. And the stewardess is like, well, <clears throat> if the pilots are going to unionize, we're going to unionize. And the bag handler is like, well, they're going to unionize, we're going to unionize. Unions are not the best thing for public profits, for publicly traded companies to profit. It's tougher for GM to succeed than it is for Tesla. There was a union at GM. And in the World War II and World War III and Korean, like, they kept that uh, that factory humming. The union people are well-trained. GM doesn't have to worry about that. In exchange for, we get a little bit more pensions. But again, unions don't necessarily do the greatest things possible. 
for corporations when it comes to profits because they're trying to do the best that they can for their employees who are under contract to be under the union. Um, I bring it up again is because you work from age 20 to 16. You get that. From 0 to 18, hopefully you're having fun on some levels and maybe prepping for what your 20s might look like. Again, why do I bring this up? Um, Patrick Mahomes just signed what a lot of people consider the most ridiculous contract ever. He is a very rich man. There's a lot of loopholes in the contract. An NFL player tends to play on average something like three years. I don't know if the statistics pull true or hold true for quarterbacks versus defensive linemen versus running backs versus wide receivers. I don't know any of that. Because every time I turn on the TV, it's like, he's a 15-year veteran. But I'm like, I thought they were only three years. So, but, so there's a lot of people who come in one year and out. But Mahomes is going to get $45 million a year, and it has a potential $503 million price tag, which could be a bargain over if he completes it or not. It's really set up for a lot of mediocrity that either side can pull out of the deal if things don't go well. A $10 million signing bonus um, in a contract that big is an anomaly. It's, you know, weh. Mike Trout pulled off a $425, $426 million deal. So to pull off a $500 million deal, um, it's probably not going to pay out the full 500 But again, we all go, ooh, ah. And, you know, we say stupid things like, oh, we'd play football for free. But you wouldn't because if you had that skill that you could play football, which is a pretty big F, you certainly wouldn't give away that talent for free. Because there's only, what are there, 30 teams of 50 people? You do the math. I don't want to do math. I didn't know there was going to be math today. 1,500 people, roughly, who have that skill to get paid big dollars for one, two, or three years of their life on average. So let's say he plays three years. And he gets hurt, and he, he gets a Joe Thyssen where his leg snaps in half like a chicken bone. Ooh, don't even t- show me that again. But he's going to be getting about $45 million a year for a little while. You're like, whoa, he's going to pull in $100 like, But again, but maybe he, he snaps his leg in the first game. I don't know. But again, the concept that you should walk away with here is you only earn so much money in your lifetime. So let's say you're going to earn $100,000 a year. You good with that? I know I can go higher. I can go lower. What is that in 10 years? $1 million in 10 years, one million a hundred thousand times 10. Yeah, okay. So in 40 years, if you work from age 20 to 60, and that's being generous, because that's probably, I think most people work 30 to 35 years. Again, Patrick Mahomes, he could work one game. Average football player works three years. You're going to work, let's say you work three years and you've saved, you've earned 300,000, then you get a disability, you get a car crash. You'd be like, oh, now I can understand disability insurance because you thought you were going to work for 30 years healthy. Now, let's say you work for 10 years. You make a million dollars and you get married and you know, let's say you marry someone who doesn't have a job. You're just a great human being and they make you happy. And you all make a kid and your $100,000 suddenly was supporting two people. Now it's suddenly supporting three people and then you have a heart attack and die. That's why you need term life insurance because after 10 years of working – you're still 20 years short of $3 million, and 
you start to take out the liabilities like you're going to make three million and boom, you have a heart attack and die. And your sugar booger, your spouse, your loved one and your child is like, we miss you, daddy. We miss you. We miss your income more than we miss you. After a while, the first year, they're going to be like a boo hoo, boo hoo, boo hoo. Daddy's gone. And then the money's going to run out. So go away with that concept today that if you have a 40 year career at $100,000, you're going to make $4 million. Now, wait, wait. That's $4 million before you, you save any, before you get a divorce, before you go on vacation, before you pay rent or mortgages. Um, so let's say you're going to make that $4 million. You, somewhere in there, you decide I'm going to buy a $50,000 car. Twice in 40 years, which is, again, pretty generous. You can see how that's going to eat away $100,000 of your money. So $4.4 million turns into $3.9 million, but after state taxes, it turns into minus 10%. After federal taxes, minus 20%, 22%, 25%. million certainly doesn't sound like that much, right? After divorce, doesn't sound like it. Two divorces? Holy mackerel, don't even get me started. Two divorces and a, a, a roof that leaks? Oh, boy. Don't get me started. So the concept I want you to walk away with is your job is super important to your retirement. Not how much just you save, but how much you earn and also how much you invest so that your money that you're earning starts working for you. Real simple concepts, but that's all about the Patrick Mahomes uh, contract. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Big webinar coming up next week. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. So one of the big events, and I'm waiting for CFP Chad Burton to call in, and my producer's going to let me know, and he's on the line. One of my um, big stories this week, and I think this is a big story, and it's kind of a nerdy story, but it's kind of a story that I kind of want to like, acknowledge one more time. <clears throat> NVIDIA has a bigger market cap now than Intel. And when I was a young man, I, was, I would have thought, there's no way that is ever going to happen. Intel was in everything, and they they beat Cyrix and they beat AMD. They were just a better product, or maybe they were a better marketing product. Maybe their threading technology wasn't as fast as AMD. Maybe their costs weren't as efficient. Um, I think you get the idea where I'm trying to go at here is that Intel was this monolith company that I thought should rule the world. And then you started comparing them with Microsoft. And Microsoft should rule the world because one of them is hardware, the king of the hardware, and one of them is software. And, you know, Microsoft ran into competition from uh, companies that were giving away stuff for free, particularly in, in, in my mind, Google's Chrome. And then Google's Office was the serious one. But there was always competitors to Microsoft like Novell, DOS, that eh, made people some money but didn't hold out over time. So Intel passing the torch to uh, NVIDIA. That's a stunner for me. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton speaking of stunners. 
Uh, big comeback finish for you with the stock market recently. Who saw that coming here? The Patrick Mahomes of CFPs. Mr. Burton, uh, we were talking yesterday about the 4% rule, which is some sort of rule tied towards you have a big pot of money. You can take 4% out a year till the day you die, and the rest of it will – No, what is it with the 4% rule? Help me here. Well, yeah, the 4% rule was that rule in the 90s that was kind of created where – if people took the idea of modern portfolio theory where you take a balanced portfolio and if at age 65 you're able to survive, live comfortably off drawing 4%. So if you had a million bucks, that would be 40 grand a year. So if you're comfortable with your 40 grand a year from your portfolio plus whatever Social Security or pension you might have, if that was enough money, that should last through retirement, through you know, 30, 35 years of retirement, and each year you should be able to draw a little bit more out to keep up with inflation. Okay. That was the 4% rule. So people used to say, well, if you, can, yeah. if, if, you know, if you have to draw five, you're gonna run out of money too early, so don't retire yet. And again, right now when we look at bonds, and the other name mm-hmm. for bonds is fixed income, they're paying about a quarter of what they paid back then in terms of interest on bonds. And, and of course, bank accounts are much, much less because it's all been about Fed intervention, stimulation, um, you know, continued Fed actions that have continually pushed down interest rates. And now because of where we are globally in currency issues, we're not seeing a point where interest rates are going to rise rapidly anytime soon. So that 4% rule has become more like the 3 3.5% rule if you want some safety. Interesting. Now, again, this is exactly what I was talking about early on in the show. This is 1 million equals 440,000 uh, in income. So weird that we're thinking alike, Chad. <laughs> it's weird that we're thinking alike. What are some other important decisions on making retirement funds last? Because it's easy to spend. It's, it's tougher to save. Yeah. Well, again, it's, it's what you do with Social Security is pretty important. Okay. Um, if you're about you to, to retire and maybe you're lucky enough to retire early, 62, you could get about a 70% increase in payments in some cases by waiting to your age 70. There's, you know, it, there's a lot less tricks now with Social Security because they keep taking away the tricks from us. Um, but it's important to figure out if there's anything that you can do for when you, if you both worked, if there's an age difference, if there's a non-working spouse, some of the tricks that are out there and do some projections. Um, because really putting it off till 70, as long as you think you're going to live into your mid 80s or beyond, it's a, it's a typically a pretty good decision unless you don't have any other assets to live off of. Um, other decision points are just knowing what the health care costs are. People that retire early get shocked that, OK, I've got some pretty high medical expenses until I'm 65 and Medicare kicks in. And then even once I get Medicare, I need Medicare Part B, supplemental insurance, prescription drugs, dental insurance, all of those different items. Um, and sometimes it's better just do a, a slower transition into retirement and to talk to your employer about that because, you know, it's, it's tough. You don't, a lot of places don't want to lose their highly skilled workers. And, and so potentially transitioning more into retirement, doing a few more sabbaticals, um, figuring out what you want retirement to be like so you can truly calculate the costs because a lot of people work you know, 40, 60 hours a week until they're 65 years old and they don't have any idea what they're going to do with their life and they're not that happy. So you got to kind of have that life plan. And then really important, once you, you can calculate, okay, I've got a lump sum of money plus some social security and rental income, whatever, maybe it seems like enough 
But then planning your withdrawals, figuring out which accounts you're going to draw from first or a combination of the accounts between your taxable accounts, your cash, your retirement accounts is very important because the tax brackets are very different between ordinary income and capital gains. And your ordinary income can affect how much you pay when you sell your stocks and mutual funds and your taxable accounts. So you really have to blend the two together or sometimes alternate your income so you can keep your taxes really, really low in retirement. And with fixed income or bonds paying very little and your cash account at the bank, you know, if you're lucky, you go to Capital One 360 or Ally and you get, you know, one, 1.2% on your cash, that's not much. So saving anywhere you can in terms of fees, in terms of taxes is really important these days in retirement. Let's let's think of an area where people are typically missed thoughts. And I, I, I said it earlier in the show today, like if you make, you know, $100,000 to the year, you know, for 40 years, you're going to have $4 million, but your, your taxes are going to take away from, from the state level and from the federal level. Let's talk tax brackets. Can you really juggle a tax bracket, Chad? Oh, absolutely. Um, cases. So there's a certain amount of tax you're going to pay no matter what, if you have taxable accounts and that's a, an account in your name joint with your spouse or living trust. And those dividends and interest that you're earning on that might come and hit your tax bracket no matter what you do. But you have dividends from qualifying U.S. stocks are taxed at the capital gains bracket. And what people don't realize is that there's a lot of room where a married couple finally jointly, if all the income that they have is dividends or capital gains, between the standard deduction plus where the bracket kicks in, there's a ton of money, Rob, that people can take and pay a 0% capital gain bracket. Um, so sometimes we'll alternate between one year of capital gains and another year of drawing from an IRA or combine the two together. So it's, it's, it's kind of easy if you have a mix of accounts between a Roth, a taxable account, IRAs, 401ks. If you have a mix, you can you know, have be spending six figures a year, but be paying at a 12% or less effective federal margin. Now, you're talking taxes, so you may be talking about working with your CPA. That brings up another issue that retirees need to protect is I've got a neighbor who got duped by a quote-unquote CPA. I questioned the person was even a CPA. They were doing their taxes. They asked for money, and they did this numerous times as an illegal CPA, and they got duped. Um, this guy duped a lot of people in retirement. It's not, it's not an uncommon story, is it, Bernie Madoff? I mean, Chad Burton. <laughs> no, it's a joke. If, Chad is not Bernie a, Madoff. If you have a CPA and then they're like, well, if you invest in this, you know, oil partnership or yeah. some partnership or whatever, you can actually reduce your taxes. A lot of times those aren't registered products or they're, they're commission oriented products. Yeah. And I mean, it's with, with the idea that it's hard as a CPA to make a really, really good living by doing individual tax returns. Cause most have kind of gone towards more of the, you know, corporate and business returns, um, that's not a good combination. And anytime somebody's offering you financial products that have a commission tied towards it, you know, you've, you've just flipped it where it's, they're acting in their best interest instead of yours. So in order to not get duped, work with a fee only certified financial planner practitioner that will put in writing that they are a fiduciary, which means they have to put your interest first because a lot of financial decisions, there's not just one right answer. Sometimes it's, you know, here's two or three options. This is what I would suggest if I was you, but what feels right for you? And like, for example, one of the options by investing money, if, if they're not presenting these days, 
paying down a mortgage or paying off a mortgage versus investing in California tax-free bonds, they might not be acting in your best interest. Can I sum that one up if I think I'm right? By paying off a mortgage, you may be saving 3 to 4% in interest, but the muni was saving you some money and not paying state income, and then you have to judge like which one has more power than the other one? Is that what you're saying kind of there? Yeah, there's certain people that now with the standard deduction so much higher, yeah. they're not even deducting their mortgage anymore. So the interest rate on their mortgage is truly, you know, say three and a half percent. And so you're looking at that versus two and a half percent, say on an intermediate term California tax-free bond fund. So it's kind of like a 1% cost. Now there's other issues with that too. As soon as you sock money into the, you know, give it to the bank, you're kind of socking it into the walls of the house and you're giving up liquidity. So there's other issues that you have to think about. But as soon as your debt is gone, you have less cash outflow, so you need less lump sum of money. So it it's really depends on what's your current asset allocation between stocks and bonds. Do you have extra cash that you're trying to put into investments? And if your allocation, your risk tolerance is calling for a lot more bonds or fixed income, that's when we start looking at, well, maybe it is a good idea to potentially pay off or pay down the mortgage. You sometimes we'll get people that are 15 years from retirement, they can pay a little bit down on their mortgage, refinance to a 15-year mortgage at a much lower rate and make sure it's paid off by the time they go into retirement. That feels pretty good. CFP Chad Burton, big webinar coming up next week. People can learn more about it at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial. Find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Hey, everyone. It's me, Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. You can also find me at robblackshow.com. I'd love to chit-chat with you if it's possible and if it makes sense. Um, I'm going on CFP Chad Burton. He's an expert at financial planning. In the near future, in hopefully by the end of the year, I'm going to be bringing on some different types of experts to talk about some different types of financial planning. I'm trying to put together a deal with COVID. It's a little bit more complex um, of people that would really benefit you with a different voice than mine. I can do everything that Chad talks about. I just do it in a much more comfortable way. And I like the way a CFP can explain things in a more technical way. I show you that in large part because it is a little bit more technical than doing it yourself. If you have the access to financial professionals, they're worth it, in my opinion. But Chad and I just talked about, you know, a CPA that my neighbor got involved with that said, hey, you know, you're paying a lot in taxes. And by the way, I can unscrupulously recommend a tax-free shelter for you. Or maybe they're not even being unscrupulous. Maybe they're just being naive and they didn't know, like, the complexities of the product that they're trying to push onto you because someone tried to push it onto them. So there's the, I find getting older a little bit more stressful. And I'll tell you one of the bigger reasons why. And I learned this from my mother. I don't know why I remember this. She goes, my eyes don't work as well as they used to. I must have been like four or five when she said that because that really stuck with me. That's the inherent problem getting older is that you need to read contracts and you need to know the details of the signs that you're seeing while you're driving of the details of the deals you're committing to, the commissions, the costs, the rules on how to take it out. 
So like I'm not a big fan of annuities because they're really complicated, complex products that most people don't know what they sign and what they're getting into. And for the record, most of the salespeople, insurance people who are selling them don't know what they're putting in front of you. And they truly believe they're giving you a, a, a God sent product. Like this is so good. Fees are high. The commissions are high. The cost to manage it are thus high. Um, and the world changed. Annuities might have been great when there was no other options in the late 60s. But then we, we let insurance industries politically lobby to, to put in um, riders and to put in exceptions and to, to change the rules of annuities to, to get them bigger and bigger kickbacks. And I, I do believe it was lobbying money. I, I, in my heart, I truly think Congress wants to help people, but they're just too stupid to do it. it. Once dollar signs get put in front of them, they're like, well, that sounds like a good idea. And he went to Washington to help people, but he gets there and he finds that he's in over his head and um, a lot of people want your attention. Anyway, that's my political commentary of the day, ladies and gentlemen. Um <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. I am Rob Black. I am the one, the only Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's Friday and you're going into the weekend. And in my head of heads, I go, I wonder what's going to happen in the news cycle. So the markets kind of had one of those interesting opens where a little bit unchanged, a little bit green, a little bit red. Then it went red and now it's going green. So maybe we're thinking over the weekend we'll hear more success stories of economies opening up. We do seem to be shifting from week to week that sometimes we're happy. Hey, it looks like we're opening up. And then like in Disney World, if they open up this weekend and there's so many restrictions and the news catches uh, a kid crying because he has to wear a mask and someone else has a, a Minnie Mouse mask and she's really upset that she doesn't have a Minnie Mouse mask and if we start seeing images that are negative to the non-lovely world of Disney childhood dream experience, then we go, well, maybe Disney's lost their mojo on Monday. Or maybe we'll say, oh, I don't think anyone else is going to get on an airplane and go to Disney World. Or maybe we'll say, look at that. They're having so much fun. They're crying over Disney Minnie Mouse masks. So the interpretation, we don't know what it's going to be like on Monday, but we'll probably see some of those images. And then if in two weeks from now we, we see that little girl who we saw on TV melt down because she didn't have a Minnie Mouse mask, if we see that she dies of COVID, we're like, I'm never going to Disney World. It's a big COVID factory. It's a conspiracy. They're making COVID. For the record, Disney's not making COVID. There's no conspiracy. But if a kid dies after the reopening two weeks later, someone in the news is going to say that other than me. And I don't consider myself the, the popular news. I consider myself the financial news, but you get the idea. Um, so how did the reopenings go? I saw yesterday, and I don't, I, just, I don't know how I reconcile this. And this is one of the problems that we have right now is uh, some of the stuff we're talking about. First and foremost, the cost of money is so cheap. Whether you're trying to get income out of it, it's too cheap. You can't get income out of it. The bond market's broken. The treasuries are broken. There's something that's just not right. You can't say I'm totally good with 1% for the next 10 years. You can't say that. And because of that, you're like, well, I bet some people are going to borrow some money at that 1% for the next 10 years and invest it. And there you go. That's why the market's higher. It has nothing to do, in my opinion, with COVID or no COVID. It's 
we were running a bull market. It was doing great. We were managing it with low rates every time. And then we'd see, you know, the, the inflation pick up and we'd raise rates a little bit and then we'd lower them back down. And then COVID hits and we're like, screw it. We're going to go low longer. It's almost as if the Federal Reserve had a, a binge day drinking on Friday. For the record, they didn't do binge day drinking on a Friday. They didn't start at 8 a.m. You can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. You know, AAs for quitters. I get it. I get it, Federal Reserve. I get it. I get it. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke. But they said they're going to keep interest rates low for longer. Rock, scissors, paper. I will take low interest rates at almost nothing for another 18 months than, say, a $1 trillion infrastructure bill. I'm not going to turn down that $1 trillion infrastructure bill if I'm a cheerleader for the stock market, but I'll take the low interest rates. I'm not telling you you have nothing to fear but fear itself. The stock stories aren't that interesting right now. We're still kind of watching the economies open back up, hospitals filling back up. We're kind of watching cures, no cures. Disney's going to be an interesting one because like the MLS just started back up and two teams already got overwhelmed with eight or nine players getting the COVID. How are sports going to open back up when in mid-July they're, they're shutting down and we're thinking August for football? Eh... Tough, a lot of stuff to reconcile with the low interest rates wins. I'm Rob Black. Find me at newfocusfinancial.com.